Good morning, everyone. Great to see you guys this morning. We uh, are continuing our study of the book of Galatians this morning, and uh, I'd invite you to turn there. We're going to be in chapter 5, verses 19 through 26 of the book of Galatians, running across uh, some verses that you probably, if you went to Sunday school when you were young, memorized at some point, the fruits of the Spirit, or rather the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, I would invite you to turn there. Now, the question that is being addressed in our text for this morning is, how do you know if you're being led by the flesh or by the Spirit? You see, Paul has exhorted the Galatians that if they would live out the freedom that they have been given in Christ, then they must be led by the Spirit. But how do they know if they are? In the Gospel of Luke, we have recorded the words of Jesus on this very question. Listen to the way he puts it in chapter 6 of the Gospel of Luke. He says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. See, Jesus uses an illustration from nature. He says, I'm going to make this simpler for you. Look at this tree. It produces apples. So what type of tree is it? The apple tree. Very good. Look at this bush. It makes thorns. What kind of bush is it? Very good. Would you go to the thorn bush ever expecting to get apples? Of course not. Why? Because a tree is known by the type of fruit that it produces. Apples come from apple trees, figs from a fig tree, thorns from a thorn bush. It's easy stuff. We might want to think about it this way. You know a store by what it sells, right? If you go to Kroger, you get food. If you go to Old Navy, you get clothes. You're not going to find good beef at Old Navy. And you're not going to find a new sweater at Kroger. You know a store by what it sells. Again, the point is simple enough. But then Jesus applies the same logic to human behavior. He says in the following verses, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. You know trees by their fruit. You you know stores by what they sell. And you know the heart of by what you do. And we don't like to believe this spiritual reality. We make excuses for almost any of our behavior and think that we are someone different from what we do. You might say, I am not an angry person. I just have a hard time not yelling at my kids or my wife or my co-workers, the TV, the stupid news, the radio, and anything that's on Twitter. I'm a generous person. I just have a very tight budget right now, so I don't give anything to my church or to local ministries. I'm not a gossip. I just have a lot of interesting things to share about other people's private lives. I'm not a divisive person. I just need to make sure everyone knows my position, and if they don't agree with me, I leave. 
But Jesus is bringing a hard truth to the surface. You know who you are by what you do. We do not want to believe this reality because it exposes us. We want to think that our sinful actions have more to do with what's happening on the outside than what's, what's, than what's happening on the inside. We like to think, for example, that the reason that we are harsh is because we have annoying people that just happen to be around us, not because we have a heart that is impatient or judgmental. How do you know if you're being led by the flesh or the spirit? Paul's answer to the Galatians is reflective of Jesus' wisdom concerning human behavior, for they both come to the same conclusion, you look at the fruit of your life. And what we will see in our passage for this morning is that if you would live a fruitful Christian life, you must know the works of the flesh and put them to death. And you must know the fruit of the Spirit and cultivate it. So hear now the word of the Lord, Galatians chapter 5. Verses 19 through 26. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. This is God's holy word for us, His people. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to You in this morning. We thank You for the testimonies of Your prophets. We thank you for the statutes of your law. We thank you for the gospel of Christ and for the witness of the apostles. We bless you, O God, and we pray that you would grant to us your spirit, that in the brightness of your presence, we might read and understand your word. And that through submission to your word, we might bear the fruits of the spirit. We pray this in Christ's holy name, our gracious Lord. Amen. First thing that I want us to see in our text for this morning is that if we would produce the fruit of the Spirit, we must first know the works of the flesh. Look again at verses 19 through 21. Paul begins by saying, now the works of the flesh are evident. Okay, that's important. Paul is saying that they are evident. 
that we, they're not hidden. We shouldn't be blind to the reality of them. But these works of the flesh are evident. And then he goes on to list them. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Again, as I said, it's important to note that Paul begins by saying that the works of the flesh are evident. They are apparent. If it were not for our own brokenness and blindness, we would be able to clearly see the results of living out of the flesh. It's also important to note that Paul uses the word works here to describe the results of living after the flesh in contrast to the fruit of the Spirit. You see, Paul has used this word works throughout his letter to the Galatians to refer to the works of the law. And now he connects the same concept to the flesh. While we might think of the law as a contrast to the flesh, what Paul is highlighting here is that actions empowered by the flesh and not by the Holy Spirit all belong to the same sphere of sin. Whether you fall on the side of legalism, seeking after the law to make you holy before God out of the flesh, or you give in to license and allow your flesh to lead you, neither one of these, whether you're talking about legalism or license, are of the Spirit. They are works of the flesh. Each of the works listed here could be examined on their own. And yet we realize that this list is not meant to be exhaustive nor definitive. There are other lists of vices throughout Paul's letters, and they include other sins than the ones that are listed here. And even this list ends with the phrase, and things like these. It's not as though we put this list of behaviors up on a board and we seek to avoid them. Rather, what Paul is doing is stating what should be obvious to the Spirit-led Christian. If you are motivated out of the flesh, you will give in to behaviors and attitudes that are reflective of this particular list. Sexual immorality, anger, drunkenness, idolatry. These are symptoms, right? You don't avoid a sickness. You don't avoid a cold by avoiding the symptoms of the cold. You avoid the virus itself. It's important that we understand that Paul is not making a new law. This is not a new Ten Commandments, as if we'll be okay with God if we merely define what each of these activities entails and then, with all of our power, seek to avoid them. Again, Paul is giving us symptoms, not laws. He is saying this is what the fruit of the flesh tastes like. I was once speaking with a youth leader in another church and she was struggling with her legalistic background and upbringing. When she was growing up, she had been given by her by her authorities in the church lists of movies, songs and books that were prohibited. There were games that were not to be played, drinks not to enjoy. And the problem was. No one could keep up with all the things that needed to be avoided. The world produced works of the flesh faster than authorities could ban them. 
And she wanted to know how she could now counsel her students and even her own children on how to avoid such sinful influences when they came faster than anyone could handle. You see, there will never be a list long enough that outlines all the sinful ways that we keep ourselves from the kingdom of God. That is, from everlasting life. Rather, we must be able to see that the works of the flesh are those very things that grieve the Holy Spirit. The works of the flesh are those behaviors and attitudes that God hates. They are the very things that cause Christ to go to the cross on behalf of His church. And to those led by the Spirit, such activities, such behaviors are evident. One of the side effects, I am told, of COVID is the loss of taste. And I'm sure you've seen these videos on the Internet, like I've seen, of people eating all sorts of awful food with no reaction. In one video, a man takes a bite out of a raw onion like it's an apple. Then he takes a shot of straight lemon juice. And then he downs a spoonful of minced garlic With no reaction. He tastes nothing. And when we're living by the power of the flesh, our ability to taste the awfulness of sin is deadened in this way. The works of the flesh are not evident to those who have not been born again. But once the Spirit gives us a new heart in Christ, our eyes are opened and we will see the works of the flesh. And so if you see what Paul has written here, and you do not recognize this as sin, if you don't have a sense of what grieves the Spirit, then you need to call out to God. And you need to plead that the Spirit would come into your heart and change your heart. Take your heart of stone. It's called a heart of stone because it does not sense these things and give you a heart of flesh. You see, the works of the Spirit will come against the works of the flesh and you will see and they will be evident to you. If you would grow in fruitfulness, you must know the works of the flesh. But Paul goes on and says that we must also know the fruit of the Spirit. Verses 22 through 23, there Paul says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now again, we could take each of these qualities and examine them on their own, take a full message for each one of these. And I would encourage you to take time to reflect and meditate on these qualities and how they're reflected in your own life. However, just as we are not to make a negative law out of the works of the flesh that are listed, we are also not to make a positive law out of the fruit of the Spirit that is listed here. Rather, Paul is giving us a sense of what the life and behavior of a Christian is to be like. A few important things to note. The first is that Paul uses the singular fruit to describe these attributes, not the plural fruits. 
Now, this use of singular is significant in how we understand what Paul is communicating. He is not saying that the spirit may produce one of these qualities and not another. Right. You can't claim the fruit of the spirit in your life if you say, you know, I'm very self-controlled, but I'm not a very kind person. I have myself very much in a box. I know what I'm supposed to do and I do it. But if anybody comes into my life and messes this up, I'm not very kind. I'm a very loving person, but I'm not very patient. Rather, what Paul is saying is that the one fruit of the Spirit, the one quality that is produced in those who are led by the Spirit, contains and is expressed in all of these ways. You see, you might say that an apple is sweet, crisp, refreshing, all at the same time. It is the nature of the fruit to have a multiplicity of characteristics. And the same is true for the fruit that the Spirit produces in the life of a believer. It is expressed In all of these ways. The second thing that we need to see is that Paul chooses not to list actions here, but rather attitudes to recognize the fruit of the Spirit. For it is much easier to make a list of actions into a new law to say these are the things that we must do as Christians. And if we follow this list, we positively do these things, then we know that we are being led by the spirit. Rather, Paul is saying, no, we are not making a new law. He is explicit to make this point. He even says against such things, there is no law. You see, just as the spirit gives to his people a sense of. For that which grieves God, He also produces in us that which pleases the Lord. And therefore, as we abide in the Lord and in His Spirit, these this fruit will come forth in our lives. Even as Romans 8 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So if Paul does not give us these lists to create a set of do's and don'ts for Christians, how are we to respond to these? How are we to live this out? We'll look down at verses 24 through 26 and we see how Paul wants us to respond to these lists. He says, And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now first, we must put to death what is of the flesh. This is what the old theologians used to call mortification. Mortification. And that's just a big fancy way of saying the process of killing, mortifying that which is of the flesh. Paul says that those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. You see, we come to belong to Christ through faith in his work. We place our faith and our trust in his sinless life, not our ability to live by the spirit. We place our faith in his sacrificial death. 
By faith we believe that in His grace, God has joined us to Christ in such a way that His death to sin becomes our death to sin. And we believe that His resurrection from the dead is our victory over the grave and how we now live. There is no freedom in the Spirit apart from faith in Jesus Christ. There is no means of being free from the works of the flesh apart from the crucifixion of the flesh in Jesus Christ. And therefore, to live spiritually fruitful lives, you must begin with faith in Jesus Christ. If you have a desire to live out this fruit, to have love and peace and patience and kindness, if you desire to have these things, don't look to the flesh. Look to Christ in faith, knowing that in Christ the flesh is crucified. And through this union... You put to death that which is of the flesh. You see, we cannot mess around with sin. We cannot leave it on life support. We are called to kill sin. Because if we don't kill sin, sin is going to kill us. Many of us will be traveling this summer. We have a whole quarantine worth of vacations to make up for. And if you come home from your vacation and you smell something rotten in your house, what are you going to do about it? Are you just going to say, nah, that's all right. Let my house stink. No, you're not going to let it fester. Because maybe there's some bad food in the fridge that you forgot to throw out before you left. Maybe there's a mouse that died in the trap. Or maybe there's some a garbage can that was hidden somewhere that you forgot to empty before you left. And if you are like me, the first thing that you're going to do before you unpack, before you get settled, is you're going to find that smell and you're going to get it out of your house. You're going to get some Clorox. You're going to get some Lysol. You're going to get whatever your favorite thing is to kill those germs and get the stink out. And if you belong to Christ, then you have to treat sin this way. You have to get it out. No more excuses, no more secrets. Get it out of your life. If you have a garden, you don't let weeds crowd out the plants. If you want to grow in fruitfulness, then you have to dig up all known sin by the roots. Because if you're not killing sin, sin is going to kill you. This is what the Apostle Paul means when he says that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you continually give in to the works of the flesh, it is a sign that you have not been born again. That you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Because to those who have the Spirit, sin is a stench. And we must fight it. Now this does not mean that we don't struggle with it. This doesn't mean that we don't have times in our lives when sin wins the battle. But we must understand that as Christians, we are in a fight, a fight for our lives, and therefore we put sin to death. Too long has the church in America allowed and preached a gospel that is absent of holiness, And we can no longer give in to the teaching that says that the works of the flesh 
aren't that bad. Or that calls those things that are evident to all spirit-filled Christians that these are sin and that these are evil. We cannot blind ourselves and say, you know what, it's okay, times have changed. The works of the flesh are evident and we must fight them. Because those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Second, we must cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. Paul exhorts the Galatians, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If they've been given new life in Christ, then they must arrange their lives, Paul says, in such a way that they stay in line with Christ. That is to say, believers must march in tune with the music of the Spirit. Life in the Spirit is not lived in autopilot, but rather is a daily effort to live in a manner worthy of our calling. If putting the flesh to death is called mortification, living by the Spirit is called vivification. As we bring death to the flesh, we bring life to the Spirit. And just as we must daily put the deeds of the flesh to death, we must daily walk in line with the Spirit. Now, it's common for us to think of the work of the Spirit as only expressed in extraordinary ways. Signs that awe and impress. Healings and prophecies. Extraordinary works. But these are the exception and not the rule of life in the Spirit. Rather, the Lord has chosen everyday means to accomplish extraordinary results in His people. This is what we call the everyday work of the Spirit. It is the work of the Spirit that illumines our minds to the Scriptures as we read and study them faithfully. It is the working of prayer to change our hearts over time. It is the power of the Lord's Supper to nurture and spiritually feed us. It is the liturgy that over months and years reforms our minds and our thoughts. It is the singing of praise that changes what our hearts love. It is the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ that slowly takes our eyes off of our own selfish thoughts and needs and desires and gives us a love for one another. You see, to keep in step with the Spirit is not a one-time event It is the forming of a daily habit of following the ways of Christ, submitting to His means. You see, a farmer does not plant a fruit tree and expect it to produce a great harvest in the first or even the second year. It takes a while for a tree to fruit. But if cultivated properly, if pruned and watered and fertilized, these habitual actions will produce a great harvest. And in our lives, we need to understand that fruit is not born in one day. It takes time for seeds to be planted, to germinate, to grow, to mature, and finally to fruit. 
So often as Christians, we are so eager to prove ourselves that we take the fruits of the Spirit and we make it a law and we say, look how loving I am. I must now be a Christian. But that is not fruit that is born out of the Spirit. Rather, we are just making a law for ourselves. Rather, we are called to submit to the work of the Spirit in the daily habits of our lives and over the process of a lifetime. These fruits come about. You see, it is hypocrites who pretend to love people so they look like a Christian. It is hypocrites who pretend to be patient, who pretend to be gentle, who pretend to be kind. We are not called by the apostle to pretend to hate sin and to pretend to act this way. We are called to be crucified with Christ through faith in Christ. And we are called to cultivate the fruits of the Spirit by submitting to the Spirit in our daily lives. And over a lifetime, this fruit comes forth. How do you know if you're following the Spirit? Because you have faith in Christ and you're putting the deeds of the flesh to death daily. How do you know that you have the Spirit Because you are not merely pretending or putting these things on, but you are daily submitting to the work of the Spirit. And through time, the fruit of the Spirit is being born in your life. There is a fight to be fought. And there are battles that will be lost, but the war has already been won. Holiness is a habit that is formed out of the everyday work of the Spirit and the lives of Christians. And all of those who are in Christ will bear good fruit for His honor and glory and will surely inherit the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father God, we come to you now in this time and I confess before you, Lord, that as as a pastor, as a minister of your word, so often I feel like I need to pretend and act out the fruits of the spirit. Oh, forgive me for my hypocrisy and give to me and give to all who are here the faith to believe in Christ and the power of his cross. And give to us your spirit that we might see true fruit born in our lives for your honor and glory. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.